0: Thanks <music>
1: the space cave a big warg to all of you i'm david Huntsberger. this is a show where i chat with interesting people a lot of times scientists uh or artists and uh find out what they what they know about life what they're interested in what they're passionate about and uh i hope you like it uh it's been a bit i haven't been putting out episodes so it's nice to have a new one out um i think you'll like it and even though i haven't been putting them out welcome andrew conan The latest Patreon member, at $10 a month, sent him a bunch of posters. I really appreciate it. You might be thinking, well, why would you be a patron when there's not a ton of new episodes coming out recently? I'm glad you've asked, because the people that stuck with this little show, and me in particular, during the last two and a half years, well, two-ish years, uh, I really appreciate it. It's hard to put out new episodes, a lot of stuff going on. And so all of those people got free memberships for Life to Intercepts, my new scripted sketch podcast that's out as you're listening to this. It is the, uh, out, but not the public version. So the public one will go out next week. That You can find that anywhere you find podcasts, mostly Apple podcasts. But um, if you want to listen early and ad-free, go to theendlessabyss.org and sign up for a membership. And uh, if you listen to this show, message me. I'll send you... Um, a coupon code. Should I have one right now? Yeah. Why don't I just uh, enter the code uh, SPACECAVE25. Get 25% off. How's that? Because you listen to this show. I'll make a note to add that code after this. Uh, but that's at theendlessabyss.org. You can sign up for a membership and then you'll get episodes a week early and without ads. Some bonus stuff. I hope you like it. I think it's a fun show. Tons of uh, comedy friends from over the years playing characters, doing little bits, short kind of radio sketches. Um, And that means not as much new Space Cave, unfortunately. But message me if you have a topic or a person in mind. I would love to chat with them. I want to keep this show going. It may just not happen as regularly as it was for the previous five years, minus the last uh, two. So seven years we've been doing this? All right, let's get to it. This interview happened a while ago, and they were releasing an app, and I think they ran into some snags, and it's finally out. They're ready to debut it. We talk all about it. I think it's really fascinating. I think you may enjoy it. I hope you do. We play a lot of music on this show, and this is all about music. The app is called Ultimate Playlist, and my guests are Chevy Smith and her partner Khalid Jones. They're really fascinating. Uh, I like the way they think, and uh, we talk all about it, and I think you'll like it as well. Here is our conversation. And you're in Wisconsin, uh, based now in Nashville. And it's almost like it came full circle in a weird way in that, like, that's where you got your recording start. You were a teenager. Absolutely. I was, I was yeah. looking over the bio that John sent me, and it was, you seemed like such a precarious child. Were you like the type to say to your parents, like, listen. I need my time. I'm recording music. (laughs) Or was it just like, you were pretty much. Yeah. I mean,
2: we were, we were out on a a farm, on a ranch, you know? So like there wasn't, I mean, and this is pre-internet, you know, so there's just like not a lot of um, outside stimulation. And so we were very much um, inventive kids, you know, like my dad's a, a carpenter, but I mean, he just sent me a a video he just built a zip line across his pond you know for all the grandkids to play out so like we were very much encouraged um to just like make stuff you know like we were just always making things and so when it came um to an interest in music i started on piano when i was four and so i had kind of some chops but then you know right around like 10 11 it was like well I can't use somebody else's songs i gotta like i should make my own you know like i should make something and so that um that was really kind of the impetus of that was just not knowing that that wasn't what everybody did it just that's what seemed normal and then um to record them i had like two clock radios because i didn't have like an eight track or anything you know that would have been technologically advanced at that time and would just kind of dub back and forth which, you know, is like an early, I guess, look at production and producing and layering. And um, so yeah, so very much. uh, I don't know that I was like, exceptional in any way other than was just given a lot of rope and a lot of like materials with which to experiment. I mean, we were also like, woodworking. And we were also, you know, my oldest brother ended up becoming a physicist by degree, my other brother became an economics professor after getting an engineering degree so like it's you know i just like make stuff and experiment around and that's kind of how that went you know
1: i love the and kalita's joining now Um, the resourcefulness you have to have when you you know ranch or a farm when you're hello
3: sorry my my apologies it's 10 p.m where i am and i was just scrambling to to get everything in order to get on. My apologies. No, no, problem. I was
2: telling him that you have to jump through a lot of hoops that that the rest of us don't right now to to get to these things.
3: Yes, yes, yes. But I'm I'm, I'm here and accounted for.
2: <laughs> Perfect.
3: Great.
1: Um, I was just getting. We we're just starting, kind of, with the introduction of how Chevy developed this kind of. I think it's. I think when, no matter where anyone comes from, and maybe it's now that we like live in this time where like if you need anything, you can look at the internet or you can watch a YouTube tutorial. But specifically, like a farm or a rural kind of area where you're not even familiar with maybe like all the slang that that kids are saying. You're not familiar with like maybe the newest and latest clothes oh. or anything. And then as you become an adult to be like developing apps and you're wearing earbuds right now, like it's it's not only like being familiar with it it's pushing it forward a little bit which to me is yeah. really fascinating
2: well that's so cool actually Khalid like figures into this a lot because you are correct there was a lot of like pop culture that he that was you know second that was right out his door that he knew all about um that i like learned in my 20s and 30s um like i remember one at i mean this may just be you know, a, a random thing, but he said, oh, we, that, that bites too much off the other thing or whatever. I was like, bite, what, what does that mean? And he had to explain <laughs> to me what <laughs> biting off of another thing is, you know, but, cause he, he listened to all the cool stuff and, and was in the middle of all the cool stuff as it was happening. I had to go back more as like a, an anthropologist and, you know, listen to it and, and hear things kind of, kind of that way, you know? mm
1: mm-hmm. It seems like a, like a, from a platform to start off from, you know, like uh, adults start unaware of that stuff. And so you have people that are like grandparents age now that still probably hunt and peck on a keyboard just because it, it's new to them. And, and some people never mm-hmm. uh, fully like ingratiate themselves and or become so immersed in it that they understand it and can see patterns and oh, we could carve out a space here. And that's so vital for the, any part of any industry, but particularly I would guess like tech and apps that you have to see a need and see how you can fill it. And that requires so much awareness of of things that you, like that senior citizen person would be like, I don't how would I, I can barely type it. I'm unfamiliar with this.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, uh, I, I think that's also the litmus test, you know, like uh, all along with this kind of, you know, having my grandma be like, Oh, I understand what that does. You know, you're like, okay, good. Like that, you know, you want, you want it to be intuitive uh, to those non, I guess, native, you know, kind of speakers. But, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this idea really arose out of um, a need, you know, we were, we had a production company, and we had music for all these young artists that we were really excited about. And then, you really run into that same wall that that everybody runs into of there's just so much coming out i mean each day like uh, when we first kind of hatched this idea I, it was 40,000 songs per day going to spotify and that's just one platform now they're saying it's 80,000 because over pandemic everybody you know got a <laughs> got an interface and a microphone and which is wonderful but it it does present a problem for um, kind of that middle class of artists that they're not hobbyists. They're not just doing this on, you know, like a, a a fun little like side whim. They're really pursuing something, but they don't have, you know, Beyonce's launch team behind them and the, you can't really fault the platforms. I mean, they just have so much coming at them. And, and so it, it just is, I, it kind of occurred to us, like, can we make a side rail? Can there be some sort of other, just in addition to bolt-on product that that we could have for our own uses? And I think that um, it's always helpful when you are your customer, you know, when you um, can kind of step into that. And honestly, Khalid, and I'll let you speak to this Khalid, but really, you know, came into, like, I was, so native to the music industry that, like, oh, it's we do this and then we do that. Khalid coming in from a legal background and also from, you know, owning esports teams and kind of being in this new tech area was was very instrumental and and just uh, it, it was just really thought provoking to come and be like, well, why do they do it like that? That makes no sense, you know. So he was kind of those fresh eyes um, that that came in and started. Moving these conversations to this this place, you know.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that happens a a, a lot in, in, in different industries where it can happen a lot in in different industries. Um, if people, you know, it, it's it's a matter of not you know people say question everything. I don't quite believe that. I don't think question everything. There's some things that work because that's the way they're supposed to work. It's just question the things that don't initially intuitively make sense to you you'll find out that some of those things have um, important grounding reasoning for why they happen but what you'll find out is if you question everything that doesn't intuitively make sense to you some of them will be the answer to some of those questions will be that's just the way we do it and that's just the way we do it is never the right answer. So, one hundred percent, don't question everything. One hundred percent, question everything that's not into that doesn't make intuitive sense to you, and you will find out that the answer that's just the way we do it is one hundred percent wrong all the time. Now, it, it could it could be the case that there's not there's not yet a new better way. But in terms of you know what we're what we're talking about here, um, it was really more of an idea of you know can you can you solve a problem from both sides. Like, can you bring listeners closer to musicians while at the same time bringing musicians closer to listeners? And so it was almost like a reverse tug of war at that point in time. Um, And can we create a reverse tug of war uh, where people are reaching towards one another rather than pulling away from one another? And we we, we think we've got, uh, something like that here. And one of the foundational principles that we question more than anything um, is sort of conceptually, the the concept of payola to begin with, right, like we, it was this idea that um, paying to be to having your music heard is somehow like that's pernicious in and of itself when that's actually not the case. Payola is paying to have your music heard by people who are purportedly telling you that it's their taste-making capacity and they're really being paid, right? So we said, well, what if we're just very upfront and you share it with the listeners? And so now we're all in this sort of melange together. You create opportunities for for musicians, you create opportunities for listeners, and then there's no room for this sort of, you know, side backroom operation um, happening. So it was really questioning some of the the foundational principles of you know how that part how the how all those parts work um that partially led to what we're doing now
1: I, I um your background your finance for, and and working kind of in the that industry then into the Stanford law like so the ability to understand like what is structurally kind of in place here what you know that's always changing as well but mm-hmm. Those two things combined together make it seem like you have a fundamental understanding of like how the world at large operates in a way that the average person going to work and getting a job and like, oh, I got this new jacket or whatever kind of excites them. You would be able to like from a macro scale look and be like, the reason you're excited there is because the company that manufactured that jacket and kind of walk through maybe the production line and understanding of everything involved in like what humans are doing. Maybe this is too broad, but to apply this to music, like a thing that comes up pretty commonly on this podcast is the idea of like the intersection of art and commerce. And so like you have a musician yep. and think of like Chevy in particular, like you're on a farm and you're maybe you're you're stretching stuff to make percussion or you're tying a string and yeah. you're playing one string. and you're like, Yeah, yeah. This is a stringed instrument. People are like, that's incredible. And that's been happening since the beginning of time and the distribution of it has been so challenging. Like, oh man, we had to bring the whole orchestra in here for you to hear what I heard a week ago. Uh And then it goes to like records and then it goes to digital. And then now it's to me, the turn or the corner was like someone saying, "Oh, you're not making this. You should be able to make this." And so, someone that could string an instrument and play it—it's fascinating that that you'd be on the side of like, "I want more people to be able to make it and share it." Because in a weird way, there's that's introducing competition. It would seem like, "No, no, no, you got to stretch your own string. You, I can't develop this thing for you."
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I,
3: I, I, oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Oh no, I mean, I was I, in in terms of that. I mean, I think I obviously like human beings are competitive, but I think that is one thing um, that's, that has kind of become bizarre in the age of, of uh, talent contests of, of competitions, because when I was coming up, you know, as a songwriter and, and, and all of that, like, it is nothing if not collaborative, you know, there's always this saying um, that this, this, um, Big guy in the touring industry named Troy Valhofer told me when I was, you know, at, I don't know, 13 or 14 on one of my first tours, he's like, always make sure you're the worst musician in your own band. And <laughs> that's really held true of like any team you're on, you want to be surrounded by so many people better. And so I think, you know, as a musician, that's why you go to Nashville. You're like, man, I could be the best songwriter in Timbuktu. But like, what happens when I go to Mecca you know like (laughs) like let me put myself around people who are all better than me or or different than me or that we we bounce it off of each other and um, I think that's one of the the kind of things that I hope this next generation gets that that it's not just making music by yourself alone in a room just because you can and then going to you know combat with other musicians (laughs) trying to get more ears because it's really you know like that's The commerce enables you to keep doing it and it is fun and like we all love money but there is another aspect that um that yeah i don't i'm like man the more the merrier bring them all in here like if it's if it's cream and it rises to the top like that's something that we all get to enjoy and you know there's there's no um I, i guess yeah there's there is a an attention economy that we'll talk about but but there's there's enough enough for everyone to eat you know i think there's always space
3: yeah i think in in terms of you know you talked about sort of the structure of, of competition and either like supporting it or embracing it fortunately the project that we're doing with ultimate playlist it actually benefits from competition the the you know the more people who are listening for ears the more sort of um you know sort of uh theoretical fish in a barrel that we we have the more more people want to come to uh, to get those fish's ears, as it were. But if you look back, so just historically, when I say historically, like in the history of the rapid tech development, say the last quarter century or so, anyone or any field that has tried to curtail um, competition, ultimately the titans of those, earth, those erstwhile titans either have completely lost or have faded in relevance. And whether that's um brick and mortar stores to amazon whether that's um whether that's sort of the landed gentry of like taxi cabs and ubers whether that you know any of these things that we come to know and use on a day-to-day basis has really been largely outsiders saying i think there's room for competition here and people say in 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 the in the entities and institutions that had strangleholds saying like either no we won't we, we don't want your competition or not seeing the avenue for competition, and I think the 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 first brick that was broken in this was music. I was in college when that master came out, Um, and the music industry was slow to respond. And at that point in time, you know, I had a little group with uh, a couple of guys in my in my college, and that's when I don't know if you remember, like when CD burnt like the single yeah, yeah. the single CD burner yeah. came out. Like I turned to my friends, I was like, "Oh man, the music industry's done. We can burn our own CDs now. Like it's amazing." Uh, and obviously, that's gone on and on and on to, to now where you know, like right now you and I the three of us could come up with a song right now, record our parts separately, send them to each other, and by the morning have it distributed. Yeah. So we're in a complete, uh-huh. we're in a completely completely different realm. and I don't you know, I, I think that if you can create the kinds of uh, tools that embrace competition or create it, um, then you'll be ahead of the curve. And obviously if you get large enough, then you'll be on the other side saying you don't want competition. But um, yeah, at least that's the standpoint that we have now.
1: I like it. And I <clears throat> I think people spend a lot of time right now talking, kind of wistfully wondering maybe like from a farm or that sort of agrarian adjacent sort of upbringing of like, wouldn't that be nice? People would barter and exchange things and it was slower and that's nice to think about, but in reality, Amazon and Google and Facebook and the the framework of what is the future is barreling ahead in a way that like maybe there, when the dust settles, there is some form of basic income or something where like people don't have to scramble as hard. And then the idea of collaboration and creating art would be at such a level that like – if you go back to the beginning people would say isn't that what your goal was to make the most beautiful thing so now you're there but like it takes away that need potentially for oh really why I was doing is I wanted to be ultra wealthy it would eliminate Mm -hmm. that in a certain way of like oh I thought you said it was because you the art really mattered well now you have unlimited resources to collaborate to work with people so that element is I mean I think you've
2: in in some way that is the way that business you know out of broad level has changed you know somebody um said it more eloquently in that if you're in this for a billboard and a bus you've moved on you know like (laughs) if you were in this I mean right now like you can make an honest living you can uh you know there there's a lot to be said about compensation from platforms and and how that allows artists to make a living wage but it, it would be very possible right now if the money that is uh earned what passed through to songwriters and such but that's a whole different conversation but i do think um really the point i'm getting at is we're gonna have less superstars we're gonna have a whole lot more middle class stars you know and and people who have their cult followings and are able to carve out these kind of troubadour style um careers and i think that uh there will there will always be a few superstars but the the control that the majors had in which they could create those, uh, that they've kind of lost their grip on that. And, and that's why our tool is created for that that middle class, you know, kind of yeah. seeing well, that.
3: I was gonna piggyback on that and say as well, right, the the, the barrier to entry to having that sort of, as Chevy terms, this troubadour style um, career, Right, they were gate- the, the the record companies were absolute total one hundred percent gatekeepers um, at at one point in time, <clears throat> and um, you know you could be an artist and you know have an album that comes out every other year and sell a hundred thousand records and you know have your cult following on tour, but you still needed that that gatekeeping that gatekeeping function. That's not there anymore, but there's something that, in my mind, has replaced it. I haven't even shared this theory with the Chevy yet because I was thinking about it today as I saw something. There's something that's replaced it. Now that you have uh, all sorts of, like you said, you have all the tools in place. You know, ours is another tool in, in the arsenal. It's really a, a, a knowledge of now that you can do everything yourself, right? There's the flip side to you know self ownership and having all the tools. Is now you got to do it. Um, and there's a big separation between people who n- know how to use the tools and don't know how to use the tools and others. So concretely, I was watching today. There's an artist. Um, his name is Bobby Schmurder. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he was speaking. He was doing an interview talking about another artist named Joyner Lucas, and Joyner Lucas is a, is a rapper. He's sort of, I would say, moderately well-known, not, mm-hmm. on, not on the tip of front of anyone's tongue. He purportedly makes $250,000 a month. Because he's galvanized his audience in such a way where he only needs his audience to patronize him, and he doesn't need this big uh, pop stardom and someone who's taken advantage of of all the tools. Um, and so, I mean, he's that's a little bit more than troubadour style lifestyle. But um, you think about, you know, you don't need to make twenty fifty thousand dollars a month. Of, like to your point, if the purpose is you just want to make this most beautiful thing, but you want to be able to earn a living out of it as well. So I think that obviously the the the, the record labels are are no longer sort of gatekeepers they're more sort of gate openers now they're waiting for people who've already shown themselves to have passed the gates and then you know sort of flip Yeah I mean they're go.
2: accelerators like they yeah, definitely like if you, you take go. yourself 0 to 1 they can take you 1 to 1.5 yeah. much faster than you probably did that first portion mm-hmm. um and and I think Khalid like I would absolutely you know concur with what you I mean Listen, we run into it a ton with young artists. You know, it's like, cool, you you have just a cornucopia of tools, of ways to reach people. You still gotta like, A, it's, it's counting on that you are good at writing a song that is introspective and moves people or that is hype and moves people, but that you're also good at, TikTok, but that you're also good at administering all of your writers, you know, uh uh admin information. You know, I mean it's like cool if you want to do all of that, you know, like <laughs> it, it's cool that you want to own hundred percent of everything, but you gotta do hundred percent of everything. Mm-hmm. And does that prohibit you from making this most beautiful thing? So I think it's been interesting to watch. And and I really like have compassion for this, this group of artists coming up because they have all the tools in the world and kind of have been given or been educated in the business kind of in sound bites. You know, they've heard Taylor Swift saying, it's my music, I should own a hundred percent of it. And like, that's, there's some truth to that, but some of us were there and watched Scott Borchetta take the hugest risk with Taylor Swift, you know? And so I, I actually think Scott Borchetta took this huge risk at that point. He deserves some of the reward, you know, like I, I don't, I think that it is, um, a little like we're, we're teaching these artists to be a little narcissistic that like you make everything and you keep everything and you deserve everything. And you're like, no, there's like this, you make a team and it doesn't mean you need to share it with the corporate powers that be like cool if you can do it without warner if you can do it without universal like that's pretty great you know like that that's a, but you're probably going to need someone to advance your shows and make sure that <laughs> somebody sends the input list to this the house engineer like there's just things that you're like we got in our head that we do it all alone because we have the tools to do the loan you're like no like the, the put together a crew like that's yeah. gonna be that's the cool part did you know? guys
1: watch the uh kanye documentary the, the genius, genius yeah I haven't yet
2: yeah, i saw it I
3: the,
1: the thing yet. that i thought was so fascinating is exactly what you're talking about like it's about something else but if like in the background there you notice like he's setting up sort of a temporary studio wherever he goes with a ton of tech pre youtube pre anyone yeah. there like go, oh this connects to this so and then and he he built a beautiful house and but now people revering that like well I will only appreciate a house if that person built all the plumbing and the electrical and all right. the drywall like that's what he did really is anyone else being like oh, I'm gonna do it all myself like good luck haul in your keyboard to every house you go into set up the stand mm-hmm. open up printed directions and read them how to plug in cable I mean that part was. Stunning. And it's not even talked about that. He knew how to, and then use all that technology, create these beats. That was nuts. And that it makes this thing that you have to revere that, or you're not really doing it. It, That seems crazy.
3: I I think the, um, the interesting thing about that too, he was so individually determined, but to Chevy's point too, he also knew how to build a team Mm -hmm. at that, at that time, he even knew that not only the team, but, but, but the team in the whole sense, He had a it it was built out of narcissism, but he had the sense to build a team to have someone be his documentarian at a point in time when he was absolutely unknown and have enough gravitas to have that person believe in him to say, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, there's something about you that I think you are going to be a star 20 years from now. And I do want to document your life. And on top of that, if you heard a lot of the rough cuts of those songs, um, there's an artist named Rhymefest. Rhymefest essentially wrote Jesus Walks, which was his big breakout uh, single. And so he he had this idea of, yeah, there's all these things I can do and I'm gonna lead the charge and I'm gonna do all this stuff. But I even now know that I need something to feed into and, and, and to fuel that. And if everyone just sort of gets on my back, I can quarterback the whole thing. And, which, which, and not to devolve this conversation to, you know, Chevy uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, just this concept of ownership and, and, and how artists sort of treat ownership today. My my issue with it, and I shouldn't say issue, I think the principle that an artist who creates 100% of something should own 100% of it is absolutely the correct ethos. I think what sometimes get lost is what does that mean? what does it mean for me to own 100% of something? And is, 100%, it, is it actually to my benefit to own 100% of, of something? And so this goes back, back to what we were talking about in the beginning, is you question everything that doesn't make intuitive sense. It's like, there's a lot of things that I can own 100% of that, I, that, that if I were responsible for 100% of the execution of it would actually be useless in my hand. And so you have artists like a Taylor Swift, essentially you have <laughs> a lot of artists who have benefited from major labels at the end of their major label career saying, now I want to own all of the fruits of my labor that, that my name and fame was helped built by this apparatus. So yeah, if Taylor Swift comes out with an independent record tomorrow, of course it's gonna sell a lot. And the same for a lot of people and, and this was, um, I don't wanna say pioneered by, but this was something that happened a lot um, on the, on the hip hop side, um, is that you would be with a major label, they would have a record label deal that lasted X amount of albums, they would be off, and then they would go independent because selling one tenth of the records independently earned them more money than selling 10 times the other side. But if you're brand new and you have not had a record label, major label push, and you own 100% of everything, and the three of us right now, we've made our song, and we own 100% of it, I, I, people just need to question what that means for them in their career to own 100% of something, and whether that's always the correct answer. We've, we've decided somehow, um, because it gets like snaps in the barbershop or whatever, that, that only 100% of something is always the right answer, and that's not necessarily true.
1: Yeah. I um, Podcasting has some similarities. I have this new sketch show and this ties into your app in a weird way. And like when I was meeting with networks, you know, they're kind of looking for and already established like celebrities are a big thing. So to put yeah. some skin in the game, I was willing to share some. Like I had the yeah. that same what you just talked about, like mm-hmm. be neat to have a hundred percent. I don't want to do a hundred percent of the work. So if you guys are willing to get in there, let's divvy this up and figure out like what works. And overwhelmingly it was just kinda like, we don't wanna do that level of work, which I understood. Some of it there's a, a like kind of a secondary thing where I'll make little music things sometimes and there's a lot of free stock that i can use. They don't have to be great. It's just kind of to fill a spot. But certain instruments yeah. like pedal steel or fiddle are yeah. like it's hard to reproduce them. It's hard to find anything uh-huh. like and so then you start looking for like what how can i manipulate this or manufacture this in a way to get the sound i want. And so say i am that. Say i'm a real band. Say i'm not a sketch guy, but i come to your service, like walk me through the app where I'm like, I have an idea. I've written some lyrics. I've got kind of a melody, but I need some players. I need people that can step in and like build this for me. How would it work on like ownership and where do you guys come in and the, the app pairing people up all that?
2: I mean, we're ultimate playlist is a whole different, like you come to us with your mastered song with (laughs) artwork and we, it's a promotional tool. So, um, so yeah, yeah, so we're not, with this uh, app, we're not in on that creative um, side. There's definitely apps out there that are doing that. You know that that um, that are kind of being the the Tinder meets the uh, Yellow Pages of <laughs> of musicians. Um, and that's a really rough one. I mean, we've during our our you know years of brainstorming and figuring out what we really wanted to, you know push uh, we, we talked about those sorts of things and I think that there's a real value in it I think uh, again you you nailed the tough parts of it is the ownership is that's always subjective you know there's and I, I want to get to ultimate playlist but to answer your question you know there's there that's always subjective because somebody can contribute two lines and technically yeah. if it's a three-way song there' are You know, there's in Nashville, there's a thing. Oh, word for a third, you know, and it's like, (laughs) but that might have been, you know, like I've written some tunes with um, with Liz Rose, who actually was the co-writer on almost all of that early Taylor Swift stuff. And some of the songs, you know, she's carried the load. Some of them I have some of them. She really does come through with the most important four words of the song. And you're like, yeah, like <laughs> if you don't put, you know, salt in in the cake, it's it doesn't taste good, you know, and it's this much, but it's like, you know, <laughs> what? I was
3: gonna say Chevy, it's like being in a Kendrick Lamar session. And you come in and go, Kendrick, I think you should say. My left stroke just went viral here.
2: You Then you walk
3: <laughs> you out walk the out. room.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I'm of the belief of like everybody in it made it what it was, and so uh, it's it's better to be generous with that that credit and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so like there there are definitely you know things out there that can help you now once you get your f- pedal steel and your fiddle or whatever on there. Um, and you want to essentially test market or get this song in front of real live human beings, especially U.S.-based real live human beings. That's where uh, our our partnership with the lottery is really what's made this plane fly, and something that I think probably, you know, going off of your earlier questions, that's going to be the part that that intrigues you about this because it it has been a really wonderful project to to be in partnership with them on. Um, but yeah, so it, your song goes on a playlist of 40 songs mm-hmm. um, at midnight and you are rewarded for listening. So it's incentivized listening, it's lean forward listening. So you're not song 86 on a 120 song Spotify playlist. This is 40 songs. At 30 seconds, you earn a ticket. At 60 seconds, you earn a ticket. If you listen to the whole song, you earn three tickets. If you rate the song, you earn a ticket. If you add the song to your Apple playlist, you earn two tickets. So you can get a total of eight tickets, which are for a daily cash drawing. That is guaranteed. There's going to be 18 winners per day winning 50 to $500. So uh, we'll be giving away $2,000 cash every day, rain or shine, no matter what. Also, if you listen to 20 out of the 40 songs, if you listen to 30 seconds of 20 out of the 40 songs, you get an entry into something called the ultimate payout. If you listen to all 40 of the 40 songs, you get two more entries. That's a $20,000 jackpot. Um, so there's there's some real money to be won. So that's, um, you know, Powerball. Style, you choose your lucky numbers and then <laughs> the numbers are announced at the end of the day and so it's really incentivized listening but you as the artist who put your song on there not only are you guaranteed that it's going to be in front of whatever the user base is for that day but also that they're going to be paying attention to your song because they they have to they can't put this on an automated, you know, listening thing. There's an automation in there just like Netflix saying, are you still there? Like, you need <laughs> to show some action. Are you a human being? Are you doing this? And so the other thing you get besides real life t- ticket buying fans is you also, if they add your song within the Apple playlist, that's gonna have some affectation to the algorithm in there. But kind of the best thing is that you get really good stratified data. With which you can make more decisions. You can say, Oh wow, this tested amazing with you know males between 30 and 50 in the southwest region of the United States. We were thinking about touring, maybe we're gonna go there, you know, or maybe we do now put another ten thousand dollars in marketing budget behind this. Um, and so it's a really low-cost way to test out a song. Maybe you have something in your back catalog. That you thought should have gotten a shot that didn't. There's all these catalog acquisitions. So there's so much music that's been sitting on hard drives. If someone believes in something, this is a good way to test it out. So this is a tool it, for that finished product. And it kind of doesn't replace it, you know, there's not really anything like it out there. Um, and so it doesn't replace anything, but hopefully it enhances. And is just kind of another uh, easy thing that 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 you as the individual or your team can do to to get your song yeah
1: out there i had two kind of thoughts or questions and so say that i um pair up with my players and we like our song we feel pretty good about it and now we've named ourselves and we're gonna we decide yep. to, to to push we, we put a little money in and like yep. so so in the in the past i would have been looked at as payola, whereas this is like no this is a marketing budget we are Uh the question I would have is I had a a friend on this podcast once who was like a math modeler person and he was we were talking about televisions that can view your eyes during ads and monitor micro reactions yeah you guys would definitely want to have something like that you could get like that data like do people smile at this line do they lean in Are you know they're gaming maybe and they have their phone next to them and they're so they're listening to music but how engaged and how 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 uh, like um tangible is that data can you really feel like this data really paints a clear picture and two if it is really clear you would think like in the old days of Nashville or anywhere an A&R person you know if you if you worked for one of the tastemakers you had to be out at the shows this seems like a really good place where you'd come by and want to see that data to start signing people so like are you seeing some of that
3: absolutely i mean so the first question first question first that's really interesting. And so the kind of data that we have now is sort of a precursor to that. And certainly as we think about, you know, how this, this app and the sort of products inside of it continue to evolve, um, you know, those kinds of emotive indicators um, could be really interesting within the, within the precepts of what you are allowed to do. Uh, within was that, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> a lot that you're not, not even allowed yeah. to do. But you know, but we want to do as much as you are allowed to do, and and I'll, I'll dovetail this in with your second question about Pale. The answer is, is 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 yes. In some sense, in the old days, it would have been considered that, but that but but it would be a little bit different in kind. That is non-disclosed. That is um, people saying, oh, this DJ thinks that this song. Th- th- this is the program director saying that these are the songs that we're listening and they're really getting, they're really being paid to do it. And, and thirdly, they're not sharing any of that back. So we've sort of taken that and flipped it on its head. There's one writer out there who calls this concept um, or conceptually the idea of doing something similar to what we're doing, Pale of 3.0, which is saying that it's not pale at all. It's, um, it's, it's eyes wide open marketing. So I'll, I'll give a, a, a good example. You ever been to you ever, you ever been to Costco or the supermarket and they're handing out samples of food,
0: mm-hmm.
3: right? the people who ha- are handing out those samples, the, the space, that space is not free. They've paid to be there right? because they've determined that the best way for, for you to purchase their food is if they can get their food in your mouth. Yeah. Right. Like that seems like the quickest route to making someone understand how good your product is. Put it on them. And in every other field, I don't care if it's uh, food. I don't care if it's, um, you know, other forms of tech apparel or something, you know, even in the the apparel industry. Right. They let you try everything on before. Like, okay, yeah, I got to see how this looks on me before I want to actually buy it. But somehow in the music industry, they haven't said, you know, the fastest way to get the 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 the, the, the customer to understand or the, the listener to understand how good your music is is to put it in their ear. Um, and so we'll put posters up, they will put you know, ads on uh, on 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 social media. They'll do all these things, and we're saying like, well, well, wait a minute. That's a very circuitous route. If your product is music and you want people to listen to it, <laughs> pay to pay to have people listen to it a little bit of it, and then maybe they like it. And so, just that kind of simple, and everything kind of goes back to that original concept of kind of question, questioning things. And so, yeah. At one at one point in time, and there still is pay all of the day, right? Like in, in, in radio, there is someone somewhere out there today paying under the table and telling people they're not doing it um, to get their song played. We're just saying we're not doing that. We want to be once first of all, Chevy said it, lean forward listening. We want people to be active in the listening. Number two, it's absolutely transparent. The whole premise of this is we're pulling in promotional dollars and sharing them with you as the listener. And then so the third thing is that creates that, you know, I said it before, but that reverse tug of war where listeners and, and musicians feel closer to one another uh, rather than, you know, sort of, this is the product and you're the people we're marketing to. And this is like, we're going to market to you. Like, no, let's, re- let's bring you closer together and create aligned incentives between two sides that typically don't have them. Nice.
1: The uh, Are there ads in between the 40 songs?
3: No, no ads yeah. in between there's some banner banner ads at the at the top but no but but no ads this was something that was we talked about this a lot and and I have to admit Chevy was really adamant about this I was um, I was like no we can have ads and like' they listen to this and if you listen if you know if you watch an ad then you get an incentive for that and all this other stuff and the whole idea um, you know as it shook out and there were very persuasive arguments on either side of doing that but where it shook out is if we've got this music listening experience and we're creating something for the artists and we're creating something for the listeners, well, that, that should be as unattenuated as possible, right? Like, we should have the yeah. shortest route into musicians getting their music to listeners, listeners getting their, get, being able to discover the music and to the rewards. And so we've already created this incentive-based system. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, um, and I think this was probably the concept that kind of won the day on this, if it's already a promotional tool, we're already saying to, to artists and rights holders, this is something that is worthy to be a part of your promotional budget. Then we didn't want to put something else that was also monetizing on top of them yeah. as well. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that's that's kind of the concept that really um, emerged and won the day. Yeah,
2: you like can't sell ad space inside the Super Bowl ad space
3: <laughs> that you sold. <laughs> you
2: know, like, somebody's gonna be mad. And, so... and I think
1: it, that <laughs> gives it say, a nice. I, it,
3: it's gonna that was gonna happen. <laughs> Right, so it's gonna be the right, Super Bowl yeah. presented by Pringles, presented by Kia. Yeah, it's like <laughs> exactly. a
1: Bud Light ad. They open a briefcase. You watch a Kia commercial. They close it. Yeah. You
3: have you it. seen those? Uh, have you seen like there's this yeah. app now? It's like people are creating this art where it's like a landscape and there's a window and then it zooms in on the window and there's like a kid inside of there. There's a kid. Oh like yeah, yeah. Typing on his laptop and then it zooms on the laptop and then it's whatever's in his laptop and it keeps that. That's where we're going with that. That's where we're going. Yeah, that's
1: the 4D. I I think it's there's an appeal to it in that like come you know have a chance to win money and 40 songs in a playlist that you haven't heard that are new with no ads. I mean that draws people in. And then are the the last question are the are the playlists kind of like cultivated? You know, could you hear like thrashy death metal and then hip hop, or would it be kind of congruent?
2: I mean, it has been uh, thoughtfully put together. So our first three months, obviously, we're going to be kind of setting a tone and, and really letting the listeners tell us, you know, what I, I think we're so excited to get to market for that reason of once it's out there, we're not going to have to wonder where the button for such and such should be, because there, are like you said. And there's not eyeballs, but there is heat mapping on the um, app itself. So we'll we'll know where fingers drop off and where things should maybe be reconfigured. Um, as far as the uh, playlist goes, we know that they're going to be more than happy to inform us about that as well. But it is a very mathematical um, kind of blend as far as we've you know worked within chart metrics so that we understand, kind of the listening habits broadly of the United States audience. And so that there is, you know, 30% pop, 30% hip hop, you know, 30% in, or I mean, 20% Indie, uh, 15% country, and then there's alternative rock in there, you know, so like, it's don't quote me on those percentages, but there's (laughs) that. And then there's also the stratification of underground um, of emerging, of today's like a current hit maker and then of legacy so we're we're taking you know these columns of genre these columns of where the person is at kind of in their career being known and and running a synthesis of that and that's where the playlist comes from
3: cool and then ultimately the the musicians will decide the people who are exactly looking to promote- you got um, it. We'll, uh, but like Chevy said, in the first couple of months, we want to we want to be able to provide a broad range um, of music to basically say, "Here's who we would like. Here's the kind of people who we would like to be on here." Which, ostensibly, is everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, the way I think of it uh, as like an analogy in my head is if you've ever been walking along on like a boardwalk and someone comes over and tries to just put headphones on you and you don't know where they've been and you're like, yo, no way mm-hmm. and they're like "I'll oh, listen to mm-hmm. my music Check. they're trying to do the costco thing but sort of skipping a step they're yeah. not paying you yeah. but yeah, if yeah. they just stood there with their music and yes. watched for people coming by with headphones and said hey can i give you five dollars to plug your headphones that aren't going on 20 sets of ears into here Yep, yep. most people would be like yeah yep. sure i'll take that five dollars i'll listen to one song so this yeah. seems like Absolutely. a totally reasonable way to do that
2: you nailed it yeah, yeah that's that's that, exactly. that's really the the value proposition to the listener you know and that that was kind of the exact conversation that we had that that led you know this idea of being put together and presented to the lottery was that well i'd rather just go to a billy eilish concert and pay everybody a dollar to listen to mm. 30 seconds of this song i think that we could retain um you know more more long-term listeners or more potential you know, fans who aren't just scrolling through things and, you know, flipping about it if we did it that way. So this is definitely the digital uh, approximation
1: yeah. of that. Yeah, makes complete sense. I like it. Well, I know you guys are, are short on time, so I don't want to keep you all day, but really appreciate um, talking about it. This is fascinating. It's it's It feels like the future. So I'm curious to see, um, one, if it shapes things in a way where like, what if people that are like we talked about the people that want to have a hundred percent are suddenly bugging you like, Hey, it's so effective. I want to get in there and I want to pay to have my song played there. That would be, mm-hmm. then you'd have a whole new set. Well, of I mean, problems. I think
2: it's going to be great for those people too. Like we, you know, ours is nothing but a promotional uh, slot. So we, there's, you know, we have no interest in like being a DSP. We have no interest in ownership of songs by any means. This is like, and, and actually the, section of licensing that we fall under you don't even have to get direct licenses because of that you know so um so this is really for everybody out there who's making music you know it it really really is such a a low uh energy output for them you know they just pay it's going to be between 250 and 300 so it's you know very very minute compared to most promotional things that are up in the thousands. And uh, yeah, they it's it's it's
1: for everybody. I like it, I like that it rewards a finished product too. I think for so long, musicians didn't really know where or how to do it, so they end up on these talent shows and things like maybe this will get me a start, and then they get owned, they get they can't go anywhere, they can't start you a band, they it. can't do all this stuff. Whereas now, like, they can create, and that to me, that's that's the most important thing. So, I love that. that yeah. is – the focus that's
3: and, and cool. as a, and as and that's something um, to part with on that david i think the 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 most powerful thing that we can give those kinds of artists you know the the major major artists you know artists or even you know sort of more uh, upper level mid level season artists they have some apparatuses to garner them some data about themselves certainly the major labels do right they do everything based on data but if you're just someone who said like, you think you got something you want to promote it It's very difficult for you, even when you pay to be on a, you know, if you pay for a playlist promotion or if you, you know, hang snipes up or whatever, unless you're doing shows and you can count the number of people who came to your show, you can't really get data on yourself. It's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so then that means it's very difficult for you to get data to use to get you to whatever you believe that next level is. And something like this, we can get you in, in our ecosystem, but some robust data.
1: Sweet. I'll let you guys get out of here, but thanks for your time and for sharing it. And if you don't mind, I'll get a photo and then, uh, we'll, uh, this will go up, uh, this week. All right, here we go. Three, two, one.
3: I should have worn my other headshot Nike track jacket.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the app is out. Ultimate playlist. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. I hope you like it. It sounds like a cool way to listen to uh, a bunch of new music. And with the space cave, uh, dipping in and out of regularity where are you going to get your new music (sighs) that's a great place to start um thanks again to patreon people particularly andrew conan the newest latest member hope you find it worthwhile in there check out ultimate playlist um and like i mentioned space cave i'll put it out if someone bothers me every week what about this person what about this person i will reach out do it as much as i can i really enjoy doing the show but um To be a one-person band and have and coordinating and scheduling and recording and all the stuff that goes into that, it gets a. It just my my ability to do that was overtaken by wanting to write sketches and and do that. So for now, it's just a time thing. But um, I hope you still like this show. And like I mentioned, those of you who uh, subscribe and or support the show on Patreon, you have a free membership for life. And again, enter Space Cave 25, get 25% off a lifetime membership. Um, All right, let's get out of here with some new music. In the future, like I mentioned, check out Ultimate Playlist. That's going to be your best source of finding new music. But for now, you can rely on the good old Space Cave. Uh, Thanks to Rob Crow for doing the theme music to this show. Thanks to Dan Pritchard for always helping out in editing and... um, chipping in and just doing things out of the goodness of his heart from down under in Australia. This sounds like a goodbye. It's not. We'll keep putting out new shows. Um, And I appreciate the patience. and, And maybe it's nice nowadays when there's so much entertainment and things to put into your brain to have something that just comes out every so often. I kind of enjoy that. So I hope you do as well. Okay, let's get out of here. This song is called Sleepless Dreamer. It's by Pearl Charles. I think her voice is just heavenly. I hope you like it as well. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave.